Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. man and his son loved to collect rare works of art, everything from Picasso to Raphael. When the Vietnam conflict broke out, the son went to war and died in battle while rescuing another soldier. The father grieved deeply for his only son. About a month later, there was a knock at the door. A young man stood at the door with a large package in his hands. He said, Sir, you don't know me, but I am the soldier for whom your son gave his life. He saved many lives that day, and he was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart. He died instantly. He often talked about you and your love for art. The young man held out the package and said, I know this isn't much. I'm not a great artist, but I think your son would have wanted you to have this. The father opened the package and gazed at a portrait of his son. He stared in awe at the way the soldier had captured his son in the painting. The father hung the portrait over his mantle. When visitors came to his home, he always drew attention to the portrait of his son before he showed them any other great works of art. When the father passed away, his paintings were to be auctioned. Many influential people gathered, excited about the opportunity to purchase them. On the platform sat the painting of the son. The auctioneer pounded his gavel and asked for someone to start the bidding. The crowd scoffed and demanded the Van Goghs and the Rembrandts. But the auctioneer persisted, who will start the bidding? $200, $100. The crowd again insisted on seeing the famous painting. Still, the auctioneer solicited the sun, the sun. Who will take the sun? Finally, a voice said, I'll give you $10 for the painting. The longtime gardener of the father was poor and couldn't afford anything more. While the auctioneer continued to per- pursue a higher bid, the crowd became angry. The auctioneer pounded the gavel and sold the painting for $10 to the gardener. An eager buyer from the second row bellowed, finally, on with the auction. But the auctioneer explained, I'm sorry, the auction is over. When I was called to conduct this auction, I was told of a secret stipulation in the will. I was not allowed to reveal that stipulation until this time. Only the painting of the sun would be auctioned. Whoever bought that painting would inherit the entire estate, including the paintings. The man who took the sun gets everything. We who have taken the sun as our personal Savior and have trusted Him, we have everything in Him. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul here wanted Gentile believers to remember our dark past so that we might always be appreciative of our salvation, our hope, our blessings, and our glorious position in Christ. Ephesians 2.11 says, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Verses 1-10 through In verses 11 through 22 of chapter 2, follow the same outline. What we were, what God has done, 
what we are. In verses 1 through 10, we were dead in our sins, but God, by His love, mercy, and grace, has given us life in Christ and exalted us in Him, and we are His workmanship. In verses 11 through 22, Paul says, We were hopeless and without God, but God has made us nigh and reconciled us by Christ's blood and created one new man, the body of Christ, and we are now fellow citizens, part of God's household and a habitation of God. Paul starts out here with wherefore, remember. The wherefore points us back to the first ten verses as the grace of God and their salvation and their position in Christ was to cause the Ephesians to think, to think about the past and the history of the Gentiles or the nations. Remembering that past was to sharpen them in respect to being more thankful for the grace of God and all the blessings that they enjoyed in Christ, and also to cause them to be careful to walk in the good works that God desired them to as his workmanship, as verse 10 says. The word remember is actually an imperative, a command in the Greek, and in the present tense, indicating that God wants us to remember something and keep on remembering it in our lives. What we are to remember is the great disadvantage we were saved out of as Gentiles and the incredible incredible position we're saved into under grace. God calling on his people to remember who they were and what they were delivered from is something he did often with the nation of Israel in the past as well. Speaking to Israel in Deuteronomy 5.15, Moses said, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. John W. Moore says, Age hasn't affected my memory a bit. In fact, I can't even remember the last time I forgot something. We all tend to forget, and we need to remember. Remembering is important in life. Remembering who we were and what we were saved out of keeps us humble and it keeps us grounded and keeps us from taking God's benefits and His grace to us for granted. Paul tells the Ephesians in time past they were Gentiles in the flesh, Gentiles by birth, born outside of Israel, pagan as far as their physical descent was concerned. They were people of the nations who were born outside of God's chosen nation and were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. Being called the uncircumcision was a derogatory title given to the Gentiles by the Jews, who are the circumcision. This causes us to go back and to recall David's cry to his countrymen when Goliath and the Philistines stood, out, stood against God's people. And David cried out and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies? of the living God. Being uncircumcised denoted that they did not bear in their body the physical mark of God's chosen nation and were outside of the covenant made with Abraham with its eternal promises. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 says that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. There was a physical difference between Jew and Gentile circumcision, and there was a great spiritual boundary and difference between them as well. When God called Abraham, 
calling out a special chosen people for his own. God made a difference between Jew and Gentile. God made this difference not so the Jews would boast in their privilege, but that they might be the channel of his revelation to the world. He desired this nation to be the light to the world that would draw the Gentiles to himself. It's been said, God originally separated Jews from Gentiles for the purpose of redeeming both groups, not for saving the Jews only. But Israel failed again and again and lived just like the Gentiles, and so their light was very dim, and they failed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth as God desired. Paul says at that time, in time past, the Gentiles lacked five privileges that the Jewish people enjoyed. As uncircumcised, unbelieving Gentiles, they had no messianic hope, no promise of a deliverer, no expectation of his coming. Christ came through Israel. The Gentiles were far from him. They had no knowledge of him or connection with him. They, as Gentiles, were also aliens from the commonwealth of Israel or estranged, excluded from Israel and from their theocracy and worship of God. And as aliens, they had no rights of citizenship among God's people or hope of it in God's kingdom on the earth. As Gentiles, they had no covenant with God. They were strangers. They had no share, no part in the covenants of promise that God made with the nation of Israel. In these covenants, God promised Israel to be a great nation, dwelling in a great land, promising them this incredible kingdom being ruled by a wondrous king. God promised them blessing, prosperity, protection, and life. Gentiles in time past, Paul says, they had no hope and they were without God in the world. They lived devoid of hope, having no basis for hope, no promises from God, no relationship with God, no revelation from the one true and the living God. John 4.22 says, salvation is of the Jews. In time past, that was absolutely true. And being a Gentile and an alien of the commonwealth of Israel meant that they were without hope and without God in the world. Throughout God's word and history, man must come to God in God's way in order to be saved. And in time past, it, the Gentiles had to come through the Jews to come to God and to be saved. The picture painted here is of an unbelieving Gentile in time past, and the picture is tragic. They lived a Christless, godless, homeless, hopeless existence. Hope is offered and available to all today without distinction. Our hope today is through Christ and what He did for us at the cross. Just believe in the gospel that Christ died for our sins and rose again. We have hope, the hope of eternal life and the hope of heaven. Here in this passage, God wants us to remember the past of the nations and being far from God, that we as Gentiles might more fully appreciate our salvation and nearness to God and the blessings we have in Christ, which are all because of the grace of God. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. The Life and Letters of the Apostle Peter is a paperback 248-page commentary written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler. 
There is very little written on what are commonly called the general epistles from the standpoint of the word, rightly divided. This is somewhat understandable to the extent that most of our grace authors have spent the lion's share of their time addressing Pauline themes. Of course, this has been by design, since the commands of Christ for the church today are found solely in Paul's epistles. While there will always be room to further our understanding of the mystery, perhaps the time has come to consider the writings of Peter in light of the Pauline revelation. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Just like the but God of verse 4 earlier in the chapter, the but now here introduces the love and grace of God. It also introduces a dispensational change. God's dealings with man have changed. It was to the Apostle Paul that this change was revealed. But now, in Christ, we Gentiles who once were far off from God, far off from hope, are brought near to God by the blood of Christ. But now expresses the way it is right now in this dispensation of grace. Ephesians 1, 12, and 13 and Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tell us that we are saved today by grace alone through faith in Christ, by believing the gospel of your salvation, which is that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. We are not saved today not through Israel. We don't have to become a proselyte of Judaism. We are not saved through the physical rite of circumcision. And we are not saved through the covenants or following the law. We are saved by the grace of God alone. Paul turns from tragedy here to triumph. Being saved by grace through faith, we Gentiles who once were far off were made nigh to God, joined in a real spiritual union with Christ, reconciled completely with God. We were without Christ, and now when we believe we are in Christ. Only the removal of our sin makes this possible. Our sins separated us from God, but by the blood of Christ, our sins were removed forever, and we are righteous, redeemed, and have been brought near to God all by the shed blood of Christ. God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Christ died not only to make peace between God and man, but between man and man, we see here, Jew and Gentile. Christ himself is our peace between Jew and Gentile, and today under grace he hath made both one. He has removed the difference in any spiritual enmity, barrier, hostility, and prejudice between Jew and Gentile has been removed by the cross. We are now united, one in position and privilege. 
There's one Lord and one body. We are all one in Him. Romans 10.12 says, There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. Pastor Jim Black tells the following, In 1949, following the defeat of Nazi Germany in World War II, and as a result of the reorganization of Europe, the nation of Germany was divided into East and West. In the East, a communist government was set up under the influence of the Soviet Union. In the West, a free democratic government was set up and benefited greatly from the Marshall Plan and the economics of free enterprise. Life became much better in the West for German citizens. The city of Berlin became a crucible where these divided philosophies would literally divide the city. Fearful of losing many of its citizens, East Germany closed the border between the two states in 1952. But that didn't keep an estimated 2.5 million East Germans from fleeing to West Germany between 1949 and 1961. So in 1961, the East German government built the Berlin Wall, strictly enforcing such defections. The wall stood for almost 30 years as a very real and symbolic divide between the East and the West. Those who had visited the wall before its destruction in 1989 said they could feel the built-in suspicion and mutual distrust, the hatred and hostility, and the outright defiance represented by that wall. East German guards would watch with keen eyes both sides of the wall, making certain that no one came in or out. Many were killed trying to escape East Germany. In 1987, during a speech given by President Ronald Reagan at the Bradenburg Gate, a section of the Berlin Wall in West Berlin, the President used the opportunity to encourage freedom and a new peace. As he spoke about the wall behind him, which separated West Berlin from East Berlin for decades, he appealed, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. In November of 1989, the East German government held a press conference and lifted travel restrictions between the two Germanys. And Germans, both from the East and the West, scaled the wall and danced in celebration. The wall was torn down, and today nothing of it remains in a united Germany and a whole Berlin. The wall is gone, a thing of the past. The Middle Wall of Partition the religious barrier between Jew and Gentile also was broken down and is gone as the dividing wall of the law between Jew and Gentile in the past has been removed by the cross of Christ. The divine ordinances of the law were given by God to Israel and they stood as a wall between Jew and Gentile. It's what set Israel apart from all the other nations. The religious barrier between Jew and Gentile is seen also from a discovery of an inscription that was unearthed from Herod's temple in Jerusalem. It hung between the court of the Gentiles and the rest of the temple. And the inscription reads this way, No Gentile may enter the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. But in his flesh, through Christ's death and shed blood, Christ abolished the barrier and enmity between man and God, and also between man and man. The barrier between Jew and Gentile was the law, but Christ fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law, and he has made us free from the law 
by the cross, like the old song says, free from the law, oh, happy condition. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. He died our death, paid our penalty, and freed us from the bondage of the law. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Having freed us from the law and having brought in the dispensation of the grace of God through the Apostle Paul, Christ brought something new into existence creating in himself of twain one new man, it says there in verse 15. The church, the body of Christ. The word new means previously unheard of, unlike anything existing before. The church of today, the body of Christ, was totally unheard of, never mentioned before anywhere in the word of God. It was only revealed to the apostle Paul. And only Paul reveals it, because Christ revealed it to Paul alone in giving him the revelation of the mystery, which had been kept secret since the world began. This one new man is made up of new men and new women, and new boys and new girls who are one and made new in Christ, who have been reconciled to God by the cross with the enmity between man and God being slain, Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The death of Christ procured peace, and by his servants and ambassadors today, Christ proclaims peace to this world, both to Gentiles or those which were far off from God in time past, or, and to the Jews and them that were nigh to God in time past, and showing how our reconciliation is total. And we are truly at peace with God. Paul says that through Christ, we both, he says there, believing Jews, believing Gentiles, we have common, equal, continuous, unbroken, and unhindered approach to God, free access unto the Father. As members of Christ's body, we all have free access at all times to the Father, the God of glory. And he wants us and he desires us to come to him, bringing all needs to him. Access to the Father is Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Paul says, Now therefore, or in light of all his hostility with God being in your past forever and reconciled fully to God because of Christ's shed blood, we are no more strangers and no more foreigners from God and His promises and hope that is in Him. Rather, we are fellow citizens with the saints as we have a permanent citizenship in heaven with all other saints of this dispensation who believe and trust in Christ. And we are also members of the household of God. We have heavenly citizenship and we have family membership as we are part of the family of God. As members of Christ's body, we are family in Christ, and we are fellow citizens of heaven with all other believers in this dispensation of the grace of God, and we are all one in Him. Ephesians 2, 20-22 says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit.
the apostles and prophets mentioned here, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, these are apostles and prophets of grace who preach Christ according to his heavenly ministry and who with Paul, the primary apostle of this dispensation, laid the foundation of Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.6, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. In that book, those men are identified in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 as Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Paul and his fellow laborers. So Paul and his fellow laborers, the apostles, prophets, teachers, and preachers like himself were foundational to the establishment of this dispensation of the grace of God. Christ is the chief cornerstone of this foundation under grace, Paul says. One commentator said this, The cornerstone was the major structural part of ancient buildings. It had to be strong enough to support what was built on it, and it had to be precisely laid, because every other part of the structure was oriented to it. The cornerstone was the support, the orienter, and the unifier of the entire building. And that is exactly what Christ is to his church. He is our support. We orient ourselves to him and his will for this dispensation. And he unifies us as his body. In Christ, Paul says in verse 21, all the building is fitly framed together by him as the various parts of the building are precisely, skillfully, strongly, lovingly, and beautifully fitted to each other, fitted together perfectly with every other part. Nothing is out of place. Nothing is haphazardly thrown together. Each part is fit exactly as Christ desires. So every part will accomplish the purpose that he has in mind for them. And this building groweth, as in an, it's in the process of construction, because new members are continually being added to it as people trust Christ as their Savior. This temple is holy, because in Christ, with our sins washed away, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and we have Christ's righteousness, its members are set apart, perfect and holy in him. Paul says in verse 22 that we Gentiles are being built together with the Jews into a single holy temple. This describes the new relationship between Jew and Gentile and the one new man, the new organism, the church, the body of Christ for today. The body of Christ corporately is the temple of God and our individual bodies are temples of God as well. Paul shows that we are a living, functioning, and precious part of this temple, and we individually and collectively are a habitation or a permanent dwelling place of God through the Holy Spirit. Marine Bible Society sends out a daily email called Two Minutes with the Bible. These are short Bible studies that can be read in about two minutes. You can sign up to receive these emails on our website at BereanBibleSociety.org. Thank you for joining us and watching Transformed by Grace. Next time we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3 and the revelation of the mystery that was committed to the Apostle Paul. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. 
The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.